I really like to say that uh, creating a Revit model is like uh, repli- replicating the construction of a building. So it's pretty much the same thing. And you just do it in a digital environment. The Akyong Podcast. Akyong Podcast. India's first and very own architecture podcast, where you'll hear the insights, experiences, and journeys from India's leading architects. No matter what your skill level is, together we'll build on our knowledge and share architecture's greatest stories ever told. Now, here's your host, Manish Paul Simon. Akyong Podcast. Today we have with us a very special guest all the way from Bulgaria. He is an architect, a BIM expert and also a lecturer. This is Peter Penchev. Let me give you guys a brief on Peter to give you some context. So he completed his architecture and construction course from Engel Popov Vocational High School of Building Architecture and Geodesy in Bulgaria. after which he pursued a master of architecture from university of architecture civil engineering and geodesy in sofia which is the capital city of bulgaria he's worked as a cad draftsman interior designer lecturer architect project manager and now as a bim expert he's also a partner of all one studio and also works as a part time lecturer in the same university that he studied in apart from architecture he likes hiking and also being in the wild In this episode Peter takes us on his journey in architecture his experience in architecture school his introduction to Revit the world of BIM his take on where the AC industry is headed what he's learned from being a lecturer advice for young architects and you'll also get a sneak peek into what exactly goes into a BIM project There's a lot of golden information in this episode. So I hope you guys like it. And if you do like it, please leave us a review and rating on iTunes. And for the podcast show notes, you can head to our website which is arkyan.com/slash33. Also follow us on Instagram. There's a lot of useful content there. And I also go live once in a while to interact with you guys. And do support us on Patreon as well. There's two free courses on Patreon which you guys can access by supporting us on Patreon. You can head to patreon.com/slash ark. Gyan. With that said, this is BIM in Bulgaria with Peta Penchev. He starts off by sharing his journey in architecture and how he got started. Let's go. So, uh, where where to start from? Okay, it was uh, maybe when I was uh, 13 years old or something, and um, I went to a high school with a profile in architecture. So I started. back in the high school and then the natural continuation of this was to go to the university and study also architecture and yeah pretty much this is it so uh, all the time i was really into things that uh, how to say um, creativity and when you want to create something so it, this was the profession that i found really interesting that uh, you could create an environment you could uh, uh, somehow uh, make people f- feel in in a specific way only by forming their environment the buildings the cities so it was really interesting for me and feels really inspiring to think about that 
with some simple things that you do, for example, to make a, I don't know, the interior of a room, mm. not even the, the bigger scale, only creating something small, you can make somebody feel something. So it's about the emotion and all that stuff. So it's really how, how to, how to say, I don't know, really, but, uh, it's really interesting and it has a, a lot, a lot of aspects. So, uh, when you, uh, graduate in architecture, you could do, uh, really different things. So it, it, it's not boring, definitely. So it's really interesting and yeah, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, the college which you studied in has a rather long name. Uh, it's Angel Popov uh, Vocational High School of Building Architecture and Geodesy in Bulgaria. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. This is this was my high school. Okay. It was uh, located uh, in the near city. So uh, I'm from one city and uh, at the age of 13, I uh, wanted to start uh, studying architecture and I need to, to move to, to uh, the next city to do that because uh, the school was there and it was better than uh, the school in my own town. So I moved. And then uh, after high school, the, the continuation of the, of, the, of, the educa- of the education was to go to uh, the university and um, maybe the, uh, no, it's not the only university in Bulgaria, but, mm. uh, uh, the natural choice was to go to the capital of Bulgaria, which is Sofia and the mm. university there to, to study architecture. Yeah. All right. And that was a uh, five year course, which you studied. Uh, so it was, uh, five year in the high school and then another five in, the Exactly. In fact, five and a half in the university. Oh, wow. That's pretty long. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a master degree, so it's not a bachelor. It's okay, okay. master. Yeah. All right. And uh, could you tell us maybe a brief about uh, MRC in Bulgaria, how it's like, and what is the subjects that you studied, whether it was too mm-hmm. technical or maybe more creative? Uh, it's kind of mixed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because, uh, on some, uh, in some places, I know colleagues of mine that uh, uh, study abroad, uh, on some places they uh, do more creative things, you know, uh, like sketching and uh, doing uh, models from clay or hmm. some other materials and don't do much of drawings and technical stuff. Hmm. On the other side are some universities that they need to do a lot of uh, technical things, uh, uh, how to make drawings and their focus on, on that. Uh, here in Bulgaria, we kind of mix the two worlds. So nice. we, we had some uh, uh, subjects that were uh, involving uh, drawings and uh, uh, technical work. But uh, on the other hand, we had some subjects that needed us to do some uh, models from uh, cardboard or other materials. Some of uh, our lecturers uh, uh, pushed us to to do some uh, really crazy uh, models from garbage, from whatever you can find in your home. So nice. it was uh, uh, from from both worlds pretty much. So it's not uh, fully technical. It's not fully creative. We had some uh, also. Uh, 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 but pretty much from the boat wars, yeah. 
Correct. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. And it was during your time in college that you start picking up on Revit. Ah, uh, hmm. in fact, my roommate that roommate and at that time uh, said to me that there is such a software. It was when I was uh, third year in the university, mm-hmm. and he said there is a course uh, in the university. Do you want to um, take the course? And I said, okay, let's try. Let's see what is what is it. So at that time, uh, I basically used only uh, CAD software, hmm. and uh, I didn't know I didn't know anything about uh, Revit or Beam or whatever hmm. in, in in this field. So it was very interesting, but I faced uh, a serious problem there because uh, during our <clears throat> Uh, education in the university uh, exactly uh, the third year was very hard because we had a lot of projects mm. so uh, in, in the things are that you don't have one project and do different kind of things based on this project for example I don't know uh, some uh, uh, construction study or I don't know but the idea is that you have different projects based on the different subjects and mm. it was really hard to manage all the, uh, those uh, projects at the same time. Mm. And with uh, Revit and something new, I needed to um, produce at the end the technical, uh, technical stuff. So I needed to uh, uh, do the drawings and all that stuff that with a new software was really hard for me. Yeah. And the, the problem there was that I stopped using Revit. So I uh, go through the course and and there so uh, for the first semester I only take the course mm. and then stop using Revit continue with AutoCAD because it was easier for me uh, because it was very hard for me to make my drawings and uh, everything that I needed to uh, to do uh, it, it was far more easy for me to do it in AutoCAD because I uh, wasn't that into Revit I didn't know how to do the little things the mm. little adjustments the settings yeah. and everything and the graphic, the, the the graphic part of the of the game. So you didn't have anyone to guide you, maybe a rabbit professional in your college. N- no, that at that time uh, there was only external course that uh, uh, we took, and there was nobody to to help you. And mm. uh, the funny thing is that there wasn't so much materials online. Yeah, exactly. Because now you can find pretty much everything on YouTube, or there are uh, tons of uh, information out there right now hmm. but, but but back then it was i can say harder to, to to find information and the main reason as i mentioned was that i didn't have time to do it hmm. so i was really overwhelmed with uh, the, the projects in the university there was uh, there were a lot of projects and i just stopped using it and from my point of view now i can say that was a mistake but uh, the next semester uh, I said, okay, I take the course. Why I'm not using Revit? So, uh, whatever happens at the end, now for uh, for the projects uh, this semester, I use Revit, and I make everything to uh, learn it, to to start using it. And from now on, I'm I I use mainly Revit and nice. pretty much 99% only Revit. So, the other software that I use, for example, AutoCAD, are only to 
uh, link something or to export something or to receive or uh, send information for other colleagues or uh, people. So, f- mm. f- yeah. All right. So that gave you a good uh, foundation to maybe land you a better job when you graduated? Learning Revit? Oh, yeah, that, yeah, definitely. So this was one of the main reasons that I started working where I'm working now. All the this uh, Revit skills and BIM. Nice. Yeah. So could you tell us about uh, the first few firms that you work for, how you transitioned from uh, just being in the software into what is now called BIM, right? Which is much more than just the software. Yeah, it, it, it was really interesting for me in the beginning to, to start understanding this new uh, technology, how it works. Uh, pretty much uh, whatever I do, I wanted to know how it it's working and why not ju- not just using it because it's uh, modern or because somebody told me that is good. Uh, so I uh, start uh, researching and finding uh, new ways of doing uh, uh, BIM workflows. So uh, in the time, it was really uh, important for me to do the things the right way. That's why I started researching the best practices, uh, start to dig for information and uh, try to connect people with uh, more experience and learn from them uh, to become um, better and better in what I'm doing right now. All right. Uh, BIM is not compulsory right now in Bulgaria, right? No, it's not. Yeah, definitely it's not. There are some uh, uh, handbooks and uh, some guidelines which are uh, valid for the entire uh, European Union uh, because Bulgaria Mm -hmm. is part of the European Union. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, there is nothing more here. The the processes start uh, developing right now, pretty much. All right. But the firm which you uh, which you're a partner in, which is all one studio, yeah, you guys do implement BIM in all your projects, right? Yeah, exclusively we are using uh, BIM, and uh, the software we use is Revit. So um, we mainly use uh, this kind of uh, workflow. So uh, this is something like a core value, if I can use that term, uh, for us to. Uh, to use this kind of technology because we see all the benefits of it. So we believe that this future and it's really important for us to, uh, uh, to do it that way. All right. And I read in uh, one of your LinkedIn articles that uh, not many of the consultants know about BIM or Revit. So how do you manage uh, uh, maybe the inter- interoperability or the coordination with other consultants? Yeah, um, the recent years, the situation is uh, brighter, I can say. Okay. Uh, p- previously, it was uh, really hard to find, uh, for example, MP uh, engineers or uh, structural engineers to work and to form a team with a f- fully beam team. Hmm. Uh, but uh, the recent years has uh, become uh, easier um, in fact, in Bulgaria, it's a little bit tricky, especially for the electrical engineers, because uh, we have some, um, uh, how to say, uh, regulations that uh, uh, say that you need to uh, pass your project or to uh, uh, to do your project in a certain way. And Revit 
is not uh, very into that way. So Revit mm-hmm. is uh, uh, created for another standards. It, it's more for the uh, US way of doing the uh, the electrical project, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, gu- the guys here um, are struggling to make Revit work the way they wanted to uh, mm-hmm. to be. And it's really hard. This maybe is the uh, one of the disciplines that's really hard to find uh, engineers to work with. Uh, on the other hand, for example, the HVC engineers are very into Revit because uh, makes the uh, their work uh, really uh, easier and uh, it, it it it's much easier uh, for them. Maybe the same is valid for the uh, plumbing engineers. So there are more and more people now. Uh, who starts understanding the benefits of uh, Beam, of Revit, and start using it. And mm, I see that uh, in the future, the things uh, will, be, will become better and better. Nice. So uh, your work also now includes clash detection and checking if uh, the MEP fixtures are clashing and all that. Yeah, and it's really nice to see that, uh, for example, um, our uh, HVC engineer is doing its own clash detections. And even before he sends his model to us, he oh, nice. already uh, clash, uh, uh, runs a clash detection uh, between HVC and structure. And uh, when I receive the, the model, um, usually it's uh, almost perfect. So it's really nice to see that... Uh, 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 other colleagues are uh, doing that uh, kind of things and uh, uh, the coordination is much, much easier right now. Uh, I say a lot that if I need to do a full coordination of a project, which is CAD-based, hmm. I, I definitely could not do that because yeah. it, it, it's, it's impossible. So, uh, for example, I receive a, a plumbing project in CAD and our colleague is uh, just uh, write down a number uh, which uh, should relate to the elevation of some pipe. I, I cannot uh, go through each and every pipe, see the slopes, see the yeah. uh, numbers and uh, check everything. It's impossible. And w- when I have everything modeled in 3D, I just run a clash detection and it says, is it uh, clashing or not? So it's much, much easier and it saves times, time and as I said, I, I could not do, do it the right way if, if it's not in BIM. So, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. How, how have you started using uh, maybe automation like Dynamo or maybe if you, you're also into PyRevit, right? So how have you used uh, these systems to, to be more efficient and uh, generate more uh, drawings? Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, at the start, it was only Revit. So uh, as I said, I like to when I start doing something to, to, to dig to the end. So to find how it's working, to uh, follow the best practice and everything. So, um, after you reach a certain level with Revit, you see that it's not perfect. Like every software, it, uh, there is a, a lot of room for, uh, uh, upgrading to to uh, to optimize your processes to uh, create better workflows. So I start uh, looking for another uh, answers, and there was Dynamo, and I first start using Dynamo to 
uh, automate uh, some uh, of our processes. And maybe even in the beginning, it was uh, just because I saw some uh, nice videos showing uh, crazy forms and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I said, oh, this is, yeah, this is cool. I should start using it. And uh, after that, uh, I saw the benefits for automation, our daily tasks. So in the beginning, it was just because it's cool and it, you, you can make crazy designs and uh, some strange forms. But then uh, I saw the uh, the pragmatic uh, side of it. So uh, you could, uh, for example, automate some uh, dimensioning or uh, automate tagging. Uh, here in Bulgaria, we need to uh, say for each door, uh, either if it's left or right. Mm. And... Uh, Revit knows that if it's left or right, but it cannot report it directly through a schedule or something. Hmm. So uh, it knows the orientation of the door, uh, but there is no parameter that says, uh, okay, it's left or right. So uh, Dynamo was a really nice way to uh, extract this information for Revit and populate it uh, in a, a custom parameter uh, after that. So it was really uh, easy for us to... Uh, make our schedules because otherwise you can imagine that for example seven or eight story building and you need to go through each and every pretty yeah. much door and say okay if it's left or right and do it manually by looking at the door and all this information is already there it's in the model but you need a better way or in this case uh, the only way to extract this information through the Revit API and mm-hmm. Dynamo was the tool that helps us to do that but uh, in the process, we face another issue. So, okay, uh, I'm the guy who is uh, digging in this uh, kind of material and uh, know how to use Dynamo. Uh, but for example, my colleague on the, uh, um, over there wants to use the same uh, workflow that I've de- developed. He mm. doesn't need to, to know uh, how to uh, create the, the whole workflow. He just wanted to use this workflow and to uh, name uh, the doors or whatever the workflow is doing. So, uh, okay, I said, I'll send you the Dynamo script. I'm, I send, you, send him the Dynamo script or even upload it on our uh, local uh, uh, server. Mm. And when he op- opens it, it turns out that he's missing some packages. Uh, the uh, yeah. the version of Dynamo is uh, different and stuff like that. So uh, that was really annoying because uh, I needed to uh, go there and spend uh, <laughs> half an hour downloading packages uh, and resolving all the issues. But that's and what the managers do, right? Yeah, but uh, I said, okay, it, it should be a better way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I start also start looking at that time for new kinds of uh, ways of doing the same thing. And also another uh, downside of Dynamo is that the execution of the uh, workflows and the scripts uh, is not that fast. Hmm. So uh, if you're doing some uh, complicated task, it takes a lot of time. And the answer was Python at that time. So nice. I started using uh, Python to... Uh, uh, make uh, custom Dynamo uh, nodes, uh, and that's how I uh, didn't need additional packages. I just write whatever I need in uh, Python. And at that time, I start uh, uh, learning Python because I'm complete uh, newbie. Yeah. I didn't uh, know any uh, programming language or uh, anything about programming. 
and how it's really how it really works and it was really hard in the beginning because again there wasn't enough information at that time now mm. i can say that there are really nice source of information exactly uh, for dynamo and python and how to combine those two to uh, do whatever you want and this for some time resolves our problems. So uh, Dynamo with Python was okay. But again, uh, <laughs> we faced some, uh, some uh, problems and issues and we needed to find a better way of doing this. Hmm. And then uh, I saw PyRevit, which hmm. is uh, an awesome platform. Uh, fully, uh, f- it, it, it's completely free and open and there are uh, a lot of resources explaining how it works and what it gives you is that you can write uh, some script in python and then uh, put it in a specific folder and when reloaded you can see it in your custom revit tab and it's there you can assign a shortcut for it and it's really easy it's really really easy to use and that was our answer and that's how we are working right now. So you you don't need to be a programmer. You don't need to, to know C Sharp or um, uh, some other uh, programming language to mm. compile uh, add-in or something that you need to install on each computer or, or whatever. You just need to install PyRevit and mm. then uh, create a custom folder on your local server in the office and then mm. populate all the scripts written in Python there. And uh, with... Uh, couple of settings, you can create your custom uh, Revit tab and all the people across your office could use your tools. And it's really easy. The update of those uh, tools is really easy. Um, There need to be a guy who is uh, uh, maintaining uh, all the tools and you could uh, make some uh, changes in, in real time, just all the other guys can uh, reload their uh, pirate and mm-hmm. uh, the changes are available to everybody. It doesn't uh, need to, to uh, uninstall something, uh, reinstall it or do something uh, uh, something complicated. It's really simple, really nice to use and I think for non-programmers, Python uh, is the right uh the right language because it's really easy to uh, to learn, mm. and PyRevit is the natural uh, thing that you could use after you know uh, Python because Python with Dynamo is good, but as I said, the execution time of the scripts uh, are not good. So with PyRevit, uh, the speed is good and it's really easy to maintain. Uh, all the tools that you that you create. So yeah, pretty much, pretty much that's it. And the automation is really really uh, important because it can uh, double, triple, or parallel all the uh, uh, the efficiency that you you've got with uh, with your team. This podcast is sponsored by Akyan.com. Head to Akyan.com for more on the podcast. And also access our courses by heading to arcyan.com slash Patreon. Back to the episode. All right. Uh, and do you, do you feel that learning Dynamo in a way helped you learn Python faster because it already helped you uh, instill that computational thinking, right? 
Yeah, it was uh, the first thing that started uh, showing me how um, I should start thinking a little bit more like a programmer, maybe, because it's uh, a little bit different than the, the uh, normal way of uh, thinking, or you should, uh, uh, the, the basic concepts you learn through Dynamo and the basic uh, uh, workflows, the basic, the basic logic. And then... Uh, a Python is the next step because it gives you a better way of doing the same thing with uh, uh, with an actual programming language because Dynamo, as you, uh, I'm sure, know and maybe some of uh, uh, the people are, uh, listening to us are also know, it's a visual programming language. Yeah. So it's, it, it's not uh, using uh, uh, lines of code. Uh, it, you use uh, some nodes that you connect and build the logic. And that's a very nice way to learn how to program. And then uh, continue with some of the uh, actual programming languages. Uh, if you want to create proper add-ins for Revit, yeah, you need to go for C-sharp. But Python is really nice and flexible and uh, it really can solve your pro- problems in a fraction of the time that... Uh, uh, you will spend if you start uh, learning some uh, complicated uh, other uh, pro- uh, other complicated programming languages. And uh, yeah. what do you feel is the best way to learn Python and uh, PyRevit? Hmm, okay, uh, the best uh, way uh, to learn something is to start using. <laughs> uh, is <laughs> the right. same is the same with Revit because just start using it and uh, follow the best practices. There are a lot of, a lot of tons of information online, uh, and there are really nice uh, articles, there are really nice uh, uh, online courses, so uh, there is information. If you want to learn, there's this online information, uh, there's a lot of free information, so you could start small with, uh, uh, if you start uh, using, for example, Python, and you know Dynamo, uh, the first thing maybe could be to recreate some uh, Dynamo script, but with hmm. the use only of Python. Right, because right. you already are into the logic, know uh, what needs to be done, and just find the way uh, you need it to, to do with uh, Python. Yeah, pretty much uh, this is it, yeah. All right. So you said that you created a lot of scripts uh, which helped you in your projects. Maybe Is it... Uh, possible for you to maybe give us an example if there's no NDA or uh... oh it's uh, totally okay yeah yeah uh, and also uh, I've used uh, uh, this question to, to mention that uh, now one of our services is to uh, create custom uh, scripts and uh, Python scripts for our colleagues to uh, help them in their workflows so nice. uh, it, it, it starts from just doing this for us and sharing that uh, we are doing this. And the, uh, there were some people that say, okay, uh, could you do this for us? And I said, uh, hmm, I didn't think about it before, but yes, yeah, we can do this for you. And it, it pretty much, mm, most of uh, uh, those scripts now are for automating uh, repetitive tasks and some boring things that uh, usually you should do and spend a lot of time. Uh, okay, uh, recently, for example, um, I created the workflow uh, uh, to create first uh, assemblies. 
from uh, from curtain walls, then to mm. uh, create a front view of each curtain wall, and then another one to uh, dimension the curtain wall in the assembly. Nice. So uh, the, the, this was a workflow developed uh, because of uh, a project of ours in which we decided to go not with uh, regular uh, Revit families windows, not not mm. to use uh, windows, but uh, use curtain walls instead because mm. it was more flexible and we decided to to try how, how it works because there, there were... Uh, a lot of different uh, combinations and uh, different kind of windows. And uh, if we uh, needed to uh, to use Windows families, we uh, <laughs> should have created create create, family. Yeah. yeah, and there was a lot of options, and that's why we decided to go uh, with the, with the curtain walls. And uh, after the after the design, we needed to to do a specification. Mm. Uh, for this specification, we needed uh, a front view of each element. And the best way for us was to go with assemblies because they, they are really uh, re- really nice when you need to uh, create a documentation for, uh, 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 for certain elements and to isolate them from the whole model because otherwise we needed to go either with uh, elevation views or sections for each and every element. Uh, uh, window yeah. and this will be very time consuming and uh, also the downside of this is that if there are another elements created uh, they could have uh, appear in in the front views for example in the in the elevation or in the section and if you do an assembly and create a front view of the assembly only the uh, assembly members will be there and nothing mm. else will uh, will be there and this is perfectly okay for the situation and yeah pretty much the, the creation of the assembly was automated then the creation of the view and the dimensioning so it was uh, really really nice uh, uh, workflow and was the works- creation of the views done through scope boxes uh, no uh, once uh, the the assembly was created uh through the Revit API, you could uh, create views assigned to, to those uh, assemblies. It's the same like you uh, do it in uh, manually in Revit. So with the right okay. click, create new view, and you select uh, what kind of view do you need, uh, front view, uh, section, whatever you need. And yeah, that that's how. Uh, the tricky part here was that... Uh, I don't know if you are familiar with that, but if the in in this case the curtain wall is uh, um, in is not uh, a perpendicular or vertical, so it's, it's okay. rotated somehow. Uh, when you create uh, assembly, the origin of the assembly is still uh, uh, vertical, horizontally orienta- uh, oriented, so it's mm. not following the orientation of the wall itself. So mm. uh, we needed to go and first rotate the origin of the assembly to match the orientation of the wall and then to create the assembly views because otherwise it wasn't front view, it was somehow rotated view. So it's, it, mm. it wasn't uh, uh, right. And yeah, that, that, that was a little bit tricky to first uh, extract the orientation of each wall and then rotate uh, at the right angle to... Uh, to to match the assembly origin, and yeah, there are a lot of things like that. But 
in this is in, in this is the beauty. So uh, the, the the little thing that you need to do and all these uh, problems, and once you solved it, it's really nice to see how with a couple of clicks you've managed to do work, uh, which normally will. Uh, need a uh, I don't know a couple of hours to to be done so yeah, a lot yeah. of math as well right oh yeah also yeah also that all right uh w- yeah what is the what is this project was it a commercial building uh it was residential it was residential building okay cool and yeah. uh, what is the BIM scenario in Bulgaria do all the firms use Revit or is it only a few of the firms <sighs> Uh, it's complicated. Pretty much in Bulgaria, uh, the thing is that there aren't a lot of big firms. Firms. Mm. There mm. are a, a couple of big firms, and the majority are firms and studios uh, with a couple of architects and engineers in them. So uh, it is really hard uh, for them to uh, to use uh, Beam and Revit because. Uh, you know that uh, there are a lot of uh, expenses related to using this kind of technology because you need yeah. to buy the software, the hardware, and it is uh, also to invest time uh, in education and uh, uh, qualification. So uh, it's really hard. But uh, for now, uh, from what can I see, because uh, we are also BIM consultants for um, another architectural engineering firms here in Bulgaria, hmm. uh, there are... Uh, Pretty much, uh, not a lot, but uh, more and more in the recent years, firms that start using uh, Beam and Revit. And uh, the thing is that to to create a proper Beam, you need all the parties. So not only the engineers and the architects, but also the in uh, the investors to know what is Beam, the builders, uh, the facility managers, and all. Uh, pretty much everybody in the uh, in the chain, and for now in Bulgaria, I can say that only architects and engineers are those who are uh, using BIM, and not in uh, the full term BIM, but uh, uh, they are using this kind of technology to produce uh, their project because they see the benefits of the things that we already discussed: the automation, uh, the increased. Uh, uh, um, productivity and uh, things like that and that's the main reason and uh, that that they are using uh, beam for now so they see uh, benefits only uh, in the field of the of the of the project itself and these are the uh, the people who are using beam right now and they start talking more and more about beam uh, the good thing is that uh, the government start talking about it and start inviting uh, uh, the private sector to give advices and to form task group groups uh, who will uh, create a national strategy for implementing BIM. And this is really uh, optimistic. And uh, I want to see what's, what's going to happen. And I'm very op- optimistic about it. Yeah, we are couple of years behind some uh, countries here in uh, Europe, like uh, uh, the United Kingdom, the, maybe uh, Germany, uh, Norway, and another uh, countries that are way Spain ahead right well. now. Yeah, yeah, yes. But uh, 
we could uh, we can learn from them and see uh, how they manage to do it, see their uh, mistakes and avoid them. And it's uh, like a like like a blank sheet right now. We 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 could uh, draw really really nice picture. We can uh, make something really good from it. But the time the time uh, uh, we will show what what will happen. Yeah. yeah, all right. And uh, could you tell us maybe more about a typical uh, if when you've received a project and what is the entire design process till it reaches uh, a stage of BIM model? Uh, so usually uh, we start with uh, just a simple uh, simple model, which is uh, like a, uh, like a concept. Uh, and, uh, during this, uh, during this stage, uh, we are in, um, uh, contact with, uh, our clients and discussing everything that they may, uh, uh, may need or, uh, may, uh, uh, may say that it's important for them. Uh, the really good thing of BIM is that, uh, we can, uh, simulate, for example, the, uh, the real uh, geographical uh, location and for example the uh, the daylighting mm. or we can um, uh, build a simple volumes of the uh, existing environment the mm. uh, nearest buildings trees and everything that uh, uh, that is uh, uh, around our site and uh, for us architecture is uh, strongly contextual so it's really important where you're locating your building and what is uh, uh, around it. So uh, that's how the, also the, the slope of the terrain, for example. And all these things could, uh, could be modeled in a very early stage and to give all this information to our clients and they to be able to uh, make informed decisions, which is really, really important at the early stage because uh, CAT, for example, uh, cannot cannot uh, show all this information, hmm. and it cannot be that informative in in the early stage. And when it uh, the, the the problem uh, pops up, it's uh, it, it is uh, too late to uh, to do anything, and it's related uh, uh, to uh, uh, to additional costs and to additional problems. So uh, we usually start with a concept model and we uh, try to have in mind uh, everything that we think is important and uh, we follow our client requirements. And once uh, we finish this concept model, we start another model based on that. So we usually don't want to uh, continue working on the same model mm. uh, because uh, it drags some uh, some problems, errors, and things like that. That uh, usually in, in in the concept phase we are um, more focused on uh, the design, the concept, not how everything is modeled. So mm -hmm. yeah, in in the concept model we could uh, do some things that are not following the best practices and things like that. And that's why uh, after the end of the concept phase we start another uh, model which uh, will be the uh, the technical phase let's say let's say that and in the technical phase we follow um, our templates because 
uh, of course, to, to be able to uh, deliver high quality projects, we have our templates and our uh, internal BIM protocols and standards, which we follow. And uh, on the technical phase, uh, we could focus on uh, the technical execution of the project. Mm. And that's why we separate those two models. And that's uh, we are uh, sure that uh, the end product will uh, be quality enough. The, the, the quality of the model will, be, will match our standards. All right. And once you reach uh, construction phase, uh, you still, in the end, uh, print out 2D drawings, right? You've not reached a stage where... Uh, the construction project managers use a tablet or plan grid or such. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, there they aren't uh, they aren't firms that uh, want us to do also that. So they they uh, build on the same old way. So this is some something that uh, really needs an improvement here in Bulgaria because um, usually the the ones that are uh, on site. Um, I don't want to to offend them, but they're in the most cases not uh, educated properly, okay. and yeah, and this is uh, that's this uh, a big problem, and they uh, in most cases uh, even don't know how to read drawings, okay. and and I, I cannot even say anything about tablets or uh, uh, argumented reality, virtual reality, or something like that. So uh, this is much much something in the in the future. I hope. Uh, it it will come here someday, and I hope uh, this day will come uh, soon. But uh, right now, uh, this uh, big challenge for us, yeah, the the construction site and how to transfer the right way the information from our models, the the things that the architects and engineers are put in their models, all the information, all the uh, specification, everything, and how this is transferred to the real. Uh, to the real building, to, uh, to the construction site. This is something that uh, uh, that we will be talking about in the in the future years, and uh, uh, see how the, the digitalization process will uh, take place here in Bulgaria. It will be very challenging, but uh, as I said, I'm optimistic about it. Awesome. So you're constantly yeah. visiting the site. Uh, yeah, yeah. We try to uh, to constantly be there and to make sure that uh, the thing that we, uh, as I said, put as information in our models and in our drawings, is the thing that is uh, uh, that that is uh, mounted and uh, and done on the construction side. But still, there are some uh, changes during the construction process, and some. Uh, uh, it, it, it's hard. The, the, the process is really uh, complicated right now, and it, the, the lack of digitalization in this project is an issue. And it's something that, as I said, uh, on governmental level, on uh, level of the chamber of the architects and the engineers in Bulgaria, they start talking about it and. We're trying to find a way to uh, avoid these issues and clean the process as much as possible. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, all right, Peter, yeah. I think uh, we had like quite a good session. Uh, maybe uh, towards the end, uh, where do you see yourself maybe in like 10 years from now?
Oh, that, this is really a hard question. I don't know. Um, I'm really uh, interested now about the, the new way of uh, designing and uh, giving architectural uh, answers. What I mean is that um, um, I'm really uh, in, into the, the, the new ways of uh, designing, for example, parametric design, generative design, and see how those, how this, uh, uh, these new ways of uh, creating architecture will lead us and what uh, the architecture will be like, as you said, in uh, five and ten years. Because uh, you know that uh, in the past, for example, uh, they used to build only with uh, stones, for example, and architecture and the things that, uh, that the buildings uh, back then uh, was formed by the technology that they had. So mm -hmm. they had stone, they had, and, and the buildings looked for us in, in a certain way. Uh, then, for example, when they start using steel, we got the high risers. So I'm really uh, curious and uh, I'm exploring the, the new ways of uh, doing architecture. And I think that these new technologies like parametric design and uh, generative design uh, will uh, lead us uh, much further and we'll see some very very interesting architecture uh, projects and uh, results. And it's really interesting. And yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. And I, I think this is the future. Uh, this is uh, the way that we will shape our in, uh, cities and uh, our um, environment. And it will be really, really interesting to, to see uh, where it will uh go and yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome but what are the different uh, materials that you guys use apart from the contemporary uh, concrete and steel uh a lot of wood in fact a lot okay. of wood uh, okay. is used here and uh, the typical bulgarian architecture uh is uh somehow uh, similar to the japan one and the use of wood is something really um, precious, uh, really uh, nice to see that uh, a lot of a lot of new projects and buildings are uh, built out of wood. Of mm. course, uh, I'm talking about uh, uh, for max two-story buildings, so mm. uh, some houses, but still a lot of interesting uh, projects. Uh, and it's, I really also like the, uh, the wood as a building material uh, because uh, uh, it re it's really warm and cozy and uh, makes you feel, feel good, yeah. All right. And you've also started teaching in the college that you studied, right? So could you give us a brief experience uh, working as a part-time lecturer? Yeah, that, that, that's something uh, uh, I was honored to do. It was really, really interesting experience for me because, uh, as I said, uh, the recent years uh, here in Bulgaria, uh, the people start uh, more and more talking about BIM. And uh, when I was a student, as I said, it was some like uh, external course. It wasn't uh, in the uh, regular prog program, uh, the, the studying of BIM and mm. some BIM software. And last year, uh, was the first uh, year that uh, BIM was uh, uh, went to the the regular pro program, and I was invited nice. to uh, teach uh, Revit in the 
uh, university. It was really, really nice to see uh, those young people motivated and uh, really uh, into the these new technologies because you know uh, the university is the place that uh, uh, the research and development is uh, uh, is held. All the all the new things are there, uh, and uh, the young people are there, and they are the the engine of this, uh, this change and everything that uh, comes is something new. And yeah, it was really really nice to uh, to teach. To, to see how is on the other side <laughs> because a couple of years I was uh, um, I was there on the other side and now I, I was there to, to, to teach the students but uh, uh, it was really really nice experience for me and I hope that in the future this uh, will continue because um, for now it was one time thing and we'll see if uh, uh, the results are, are good and this will continue to be part of the regular po- program in the university. Uh, did you maybe show your uh, students the old Revit models that you used to make in the same college? Oh, the, no, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I just uh, try to, uh, to say them that in the beginning it will be hard. Because um, I, I was there and it was hard really in the beginning to uh, catch up with uh, Revit and to see how to, 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 to learn how to, to do things. And um, in the beginning, I uh, did a lot of uh, things that are wrong, if I can say that yeah. were wrong. But uh, yeah, because you know that uh, there are some models that are only for the 3D, for, for only for the, for the vol- volume. Uh, it, yeah. it, they do, doesn't pay attention how they model things. They, they're just there. And uh, the thing is with, with BIM is that the information is really the key. So you need to structure the, informations, uh, the information very well and to, uh, to do the things that the right way to model uh, the wall with the wall uh, two, not with, uh, I don't know, something else. And uh, yeah, pretty much you need to, to follow some uh, uh, basic guideline to, to create good models. And I'm, I tried to uh, lay down the, the, the grounds of how to make the, the good model. I, I know that in only one semester they cannot uh, become uh, Revit masters, but yeah. uh, just to, to, to grab the idea how to uh, build their models. Uh, I, I really like to say that uh, creating a Revit model is like uh, replic- replicating the construction of a building. Yeah, so it's absolutely. pretty much the same thing. And you just do it in a digital environment. And that's the way that they need to uh, start thinking because uh, doing things in that environment is completely different of doing the things in BIM. So uh, in the cut environment, you're pretty much doing the same thing that you do uh, on your on, on, on paper. You're working with lines, uh, circles, and things like that. And in a BIM environment, you're working with uh, elements. You're, it's object-oriented. So you need to uh, change the way you think about the, the creation of the model not you, you don't uh, you, you you don't have to think about the drawing itself how to uh, to create the drawings how to produce the drawings you should uh, think about how to create the model and the drawings will come naturally from the model if the model is done right so yeah pretty right. much you need to to, to follow this uh, this way of thinking 
All right. So we started with uh, drafting and then we moved on to CAD. Then we moved on to Revit, BIM. So where do you see us moving on to next? As I said, I, I think uh, uh, maybe these uh, new technologies like uh, uh, VR, virtual reality to create uh, the models in a virtual reality so you don't uh, use your uh, for example uh, keyboard and mouse you need some uh, you maybe uh, could use some uh, controllers and VR set and create everything in, in, in the digital environment and wow. also yeah and, and there are some uh, researchers uh, researchers uh, on this topic there are some uh, examples uh, I think NVIDIA has uh, something uh, developed on this theme, on this topic, and uh, you could uh, also put your uh, client ahead of your set and walk him through your uh, building and change colors, uh, move Mm. uh, furniture in real time, and to see how uh, your uh, project is uh, changing and uh, to see the the result in real time and to make even more better and better informed uh, decisions uh, in this digital environment and also uh, as I said uh, generative design is something that is uh, really interesting to me the uh, generative algorithms and see how the computer could uh, generate uh, thousands or tens of thousands of different options based on uh, uh, some input uh, parameters and uh, 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 definitions that you uh, uh, that you create and see uh, how these new technologies will uh, uh, help us uh, do our uh, job in the future. I don't know. Um, I'm really curious to find out what what will the future will be like. Yeah, it's very exciting time. Uh, oh yeah, uh, it is. It is definitely it is. Yeah. All right. I generally ask this to all my guests uh, in the end. What advice would you give to young architects just starting, or maybe even architecture students who enrolled into architecture? Uh, hmm, maybe to the the most important thing is to find their passion because, as I said. Architecture is really wide field, so you could do a lot of things. You could do visualizations, you could do BIM, you could do, I don't know, tons of things. And to find the thing that they're really passionate about, because uh, this is the key uh, to to be very good at it. So uh, you should not do something only because it's a trend or something. So find your thing and uh, and push harder and harder to uh, to become uh, master at it. So maybe maybe this is the most important thing to, to find what you love to do. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Peter. Before I let you go, we'll just quickly jump into the quickfire round and we'll jump into the informal session of the podcast. Okay. All right. Uh, so which book has inspired you the most as an architect? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I... Uh, I'll confess that I didn't read. Um, I don't read a lot about architecture. Pretty much, I like to read more about people. And okay. uh, so, which uh, book would would be your favorite uh, in general? Uh, 
Oh, I don't know. Uh, the, the 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 last uh, uh, book maybe that uh, that I see here in front of me is uh, Yes is More by Big, and okay. it's uh, really nice to see the way of uh, thinking of uh, this company and uh, the way they present their projects. It's really really nice and uh, inspiring. Yeah, maybe I could say that definitely. What would you have chosen had you not taken up architecture? Oh, I don't really. Maybe I love a lot to uh, create things and to do something with uh, my hand because my, mm, I don't know, uh, something like a handyman, maybe craftsman. I don't know. Something okay. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, which city would you consider your favorite? Huh, for now... I think on the top of my list is uh, Porto in Portugal. Mm, it's really, really nice city with really nice atmosphere. Uh, I don't like um, the, the the crowded, um, a very uh, overcrowded cities like uh, Barcelona, for example. And Porto is really, uh, really nice. And uh, maybe, maybe it's Porto for now. All right. Are you a football fan by any chance? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> All right. No. But you do travel a lot, right? Uh, yeah, the recent uh, years I traveled a lot here in uh, Europe, around Europe. And also I had the chance to go to the United States, which was uh, very interesting for me. Nice. Uh, because uh, uh, when we travel here in the Europe, pretty much everything is the same. So it's not exactly the same but the, <laughs> but, but the scale and right. uh, the people are pretty much the same and the United States everything is very different uh, you can say the, the I don't know uh, you could start from the streets for example uh, cars everything everything is completely different the way of thinking of the people everything is really really different and so it's a really nice experience to uh, to be there for a while to see how uh they think, how they live, how uh, they're working. And yeah, it was an uh, interesting experience. Experience. All right. And my last question to you is, uh, what does a daily routine in your life look like from morning to evening? Hmm. Uh, there are different days, but usually uh, I like to start my uh, day with a workout. So I, I go to the gym for uh, for an hour to, it's really nice in the morning to, to wake up, to, uh, uh, yeah, to, 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 uh, to make yourself uh, ready for the day. And then I went, go to the office and, uh, pretty much I spent most of the day, uh, there. Uh, sometimes there are different, uh, meetings that I need to go somewhere in the city, but, uh, pretty much, uh, it's not something special. The days mm -hmm. are pretty much the same. Uh, but yeah, maybe the, the most important for me is to, uh, to try to move as much as I, uh, as much as possible. So at lunch, I, uh, go for a small walk and something because, uh, I don't like to, uh, to be on the same place for a long time. And it's really important to, uh, to be active. And that's why usually, uh, in the weekends I went to the mountain for hiking or something like that, because, uh, with our profession, we are pretty much anchored to our chairs in the office. So yeah. it's not uh, really nice. 
Nice, nice. All right, thanks, uh, Peter. I think that was a great session and we learned a lot. Uh, what's the best way our listeners could get in touch with you? Uh, my LinkedIn profile. Yeah, my LinkedIn profile is uh, my... Uh, the the best way I can leave uh, also my uh, email so um, anyone interested in uh, what I'm doing or my my company could uh, get in touch you've been listening to the Ak Young Podcast we're still building the community please share this knowledge with someone you know who could benefit just send them to akyoung.com where you'll find our free newsletter and for more podcast episodes search for the show on any major podcasting platform don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now and if you liked it leave a rating or review 